Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, friends. Welcome to this tradition unlike any... <laughs> Did somebody scream mashed potatoes? That was mashed. <laughs> what up, DNVR Golf Fam, and welcome in to episode number 34 of Big Drive Energy. I am your co-host, Spencer Smith, a.k.a. at Big Drive Spence, here with my brother and also co-host, Mitchell Smith, uh, at Big Drive Mitch on Twitter. What's up, fam? Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, everyone? Another uh, fun week in the golf world. Um, oh, I want to tell you guys about real quick, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, March Madness, coming up, ready to roll, ready to roll. Betting on golf, losing every week, but we're shoot or shoot, and we're we got some bets for you guys at the end of this podcast. For the I'm play- locked and loaded, I'm ready to shoot for the players, which is really widely regarded as like the biggest golf tournament on the PGA Tour because caveat majors aren't really PGA Tour events. So now you yeah, know. it's it's got the biggest purse. You're everybody's getting that bread this week. Yeah, let's get this bread. But base, <laughs> yeah, basically. This is the biggest PGA Tour event there is, um, so now you've learned something. Not all majors are tour events, so fucking take that and tell your buddies because it's tell, tell because I, and we're I, only I, I think we're only like a month away from the Masters, bro. I think uh, Masters starts April seventh, so yeah, what yeah, what, what week of March is it? Yeah, we, so we got to tell you guys, we got some fucking fire stuff in the works for dnvr golf we can't really talk about it quite yet but had some meetings got some plans for the next coming months that is really going to take this to another level and i know we've been saying that saying that saying that but reality is we live in colorado you can't golf year round unless you go to top golf or 
jerk around in a simulator, which isn't quite as fun, but uh, we have a lot of good stuff coming up May, June, July, August, this whole golf season, so please be ready for that. Sign up for these things because I'm telling you they're going to be a blast. We're going to have, uh, I just don't, don't want to say too much yet, but we're going to have a lot of cool stuff in the works, so get ready for that. Uh, we are going to be doing a live show from the Masters, not from Augusta, but from the studios of the DNVR bar. Kind of similar to a Big Bets Bonanza, if you guys have watched those. Check us out on the DNVR YouTube. We're going to basically live it's gonna stream. It's going to be like an electric chair. Yeah, we're basically going to live stream the entire second or second nine of Sunday, maybe even a little earlier than that. We're both going to be having cocktails. We're going to be betting on the DraftKings Sportsbook app and just having an all-around kick-in-the-pants good time. So... And the Masters, oh, just a knee, knee slapping good time. That's that's what we'll be having. The Masters, like we've said before, is just one of those things that everybody watches, even if you're not really into golf. We hope if you're listening to this podcast, you are semi into golf, and if you are listening to this, you're definitely watching the Masters. I would assume in some some form or the other. It's also great because they are actually. Let's talk about this a little bit. They are starting. Uh, the PGA Tour is going to start covering their players a ton and their tournaments a ton more with. Uh, a shot link type of I don't know I, I forget what, exactly what it's called if you got it you can help me out here chief but um, basically you're going to be able to watch every single shot of every single player going forward I think I think they're starting it this year I want to say in, in a major uh, is it called shot link no I don't know what it's called uh, maybe a shot do, tracker I should do some research on this but basically you're going to be able to watch if you want to like log on to an app I think it's sponsored with like NBC Sports. Don't quote me on that, but you're going to be able to watch. So they're going to have a camera on literally everybody for every shot. Correct. Like, you're going to be able to watch every player for every shot. So you can check out Robert Gomez firing a cool 92 like he did last week. Um, and you can also watch. I bet they got hella views, honestly. that That's like, uh, not to get dark here, but kind of like watching a car accident. You know, it's not something you necessarily want to watch, but you can't really turn away at the same time. Yeah, like, well, it, it just... Re- What's the word I'm looking for here? It re, it, it puts golf Norm- into per- normalizes golf. There we go. Yeah, it yeah. just normalizes it that guys that are making millions on the PGA and in Gomez's case, the senior tour, are able to still go out and fire a cool 92. I mean, I've done it multiple times in my playing career. Get a little nervous, fire 92. It happens. You can't make pars. You just make a bunch of bogeys. So. Been there, done that. Yeah, but they are going to be. You are going to be able to watch it a lot more of. Each player, and if you got a favorite player, James Beckett, our boy, he loves Jordan Spieth. He's not going to miss a single shot of Spieth. So even if he's he not, was in- at, when we when we were at work the other day, he was following like a Spieth Legion Twitter account. Like I I don't know, it's like basically a Spieth Discord where everybody can talk about Spieth and every single one of his shots. And I told him if I hope one day I can feel as much passion for anything as he feels for Jordan Spieth. Because I, I, I don't think I care about anybody or anything that much. It's really a lot, is what it is. He's a lot. But <laughs> yeah. let's let's get into a little bit of this weekend and the Arnold Palmer, uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational <laughs> at Bay Hill. Um, uh, interesting note I saw uh, on Sunday, there were actually more rounds in the 80s than in the 60s. That's impressive. And... That- that's nuts. Let me look at our. Obviously, our picks sucked again. 
Um, but Nothing I, new. But the thing was that sucked about this weekend is I thought we were actually both pretty close to contention because I had a guy, uh, my boy Siwoo, uh, Sunjay M, was sniffing the top ten. Uh, he was like, that, "That's the irony, real quick. That's the irony." Is you said we were sniffing contention on making correct picks for a top ten. So that, <laughs> how far off do you have to be to sniff contention of a top ten? Well, our picks are, are just rock bottom. Yeah. Well, Sun J M was tied for sixteenth going into the final round and fired a cool seventy six on Sunday. Your boy Kiz, who fired a, a low one on a uh, sixty seven on Saturday. Follows it up with a 78 on Sunday and finishes tied 36. So Sheesh. overall, um, I mean, Martin Laird was tied for, he was one shot off the lead going into the weekend and, and finished the weekend 76-79. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a tough course. Like I said, it's not super long, but it's a real challenge for um, just ball striking in general. you got to hit it really well. Uh a lot of guys are going to have long putts. I mean, Lee Westwood three-putted twice in the final round. Yeah, and if he, and, if he only three-putts once or doesn't three-putt, he wins the tournament. And we don't have to yeah. talk about Bryson DeChambeau. And if he made a hole-in-one on every hole, he would have won by a mile. Exactly. Oh, speaking <laughs> of that, uh, I don't recall... I mean, we watch every tour event a ton, but... I don't recall them there being two hole-in-ones in the same tour event in a long time, and we got that this weekend with Spieth and Jazzy Jenawatanadandadan. Yeah, there's like 10 ends in his... I want to say it's... I, I can't even remember the second syllable. Jenawatanand. No, that, that's got to be longer. Jenawatanand. Jane... Jane Wata Nanand. <laughs> Jana Wata Nanand. Well done. I've actually, I mean, we've we've discussed him before because we call him Jazzy J, and he's a legend. Jazzy J, the legend. He made an ace. Jordan Spieth started out the tournament birdie ace par three one four. So that's pretty fun. I think that's like a zip code in Missouri. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Maybe they, Colorado. I'm pretty sure it's Missouri. <laughs> you have a weird. The, uh, knowledge of zip codes, but okay. Um, yeah, bottom line about the Arnold Palmer, obviously for us it sucks watching Bryson win. And that's really the thing, like, I I respect it. He won, he did his thing, it's respect. But Lee Westwood, if he actually, Lee Westwood hits it nowhere, virtually speaking. And if he just could have putted worth half of a fuck, <laughs> he would have won. He would have won that tournament. Like it, he missed plenty of short birdie putts, but then you throw in the the couple of three whackers. I mean, he ended up shooting one over on Sunday, and the putter again. And for those of you who don't know or not familiar with Lee Westwood's game, um, he has been a world class ball striker for twenty twenty five years. Former world number one at one point. Yeah, I mean, he's won 25 times on the European Tour, and he's widely regarded as the best player in golf currently to have not won a major. He's been in contention quite a bit. He's done very well. And like I said, he's won a shitload. I mean, he's going to be in the European Tour Hall of Fame. He'll go probably, I don't know if he'll be in the PGA Tour Hall of Fame. I haven't really seen a resume, but 
But the guy is a, a bona fide legend. And if he could have made anything on Sunday, he would have won that tournament. And it's not just because I hate Bryson that I'm saying that, but it is frustrating when you see a guy um, like Lee Westwood who could have pulled one off for all the real old timers. They're like, oh, yeah, Lee Westwood, that's my guy. You know, and everybody kind of hates Bryson, or you hate him or you love him. And we're the, the former, not the latter. But it is what it is. You know, Bryson's going to win a lot. He just hits it too far. He turned a par five into a borderline par three this week. So when you have a little pitching putt on a par five, and that's that's another thing I don't want to like go go on my high horse here, but that shit pisses me off because that is such a good par five. And I guess at the I'm kind of contradicting my own argument, but it's very risk reward. And Bryson just takes on all the risk, and then he he throws his arms up and celebrates like he's fucking Eddie Van Halen at the end and I just want to jump through the screen and fucking throw him in the lake but dude I gotta say I'm I'm coming around a little bit on him and I I my boy Joey's not gonna be happy so shout out Joey if you're listening he texted me this week and said there be there better be a lot of Bryson slander on the podcast and I want to I want to get something straight with how I feel about Bryson DeChambeau can't stand the dude as a person but yes but that doesn't that shouldn't get in the way of his golf game and what he actually means to the the business and the game of golf because how many women out there and men and just in general don't like Tiger Woods for the person he is i can guarantee you there's a lot of them especially with what he went through and what he did and all the allegations i don't i'm not going to get into all that but everybody it's widely known of what he did and what happened to him and there's a lot of people around the world that don't like Tiger Woods for the person he is, but that shouldn't matter. Now, where where the I shouldn't say it shouldn't matter. Let me die, let me backtrack on that. As being, an athlete, being a good person is is overall the biggest thing in your life. It, it doesn't matter how great of an athlete you are. If you're an asshole, people aren't going to like you, and you're not going to get very far. But Tiger Woods, that's, was, that's false. You're not going to you get can- very. You're not going to get, I, I don't know what the word is, but you know what I'm trying to say here. Like, I'm not just condoning being, doing what t- Tiger did. I would never condone Oh, that. yeah. No, but, but I agree. I think where Bryson is like a mixture of Tiger and just uh, your typical golf douche is that Bryson is annoying on the golf course. Like, let's say Bryson has the next two, three, four years has a Tiger-like run, which he can't, nobody can ever do what he did in the early 2000s, but let's say he starts winning a bunch of tournaments, and he's always in contention, and he's like one of the top players, and he's the favorite of every tournament, blah, blah, blah. The thing that bothers me about Bryson is the way he conducts himself on the golf course. There, so do you see what I'm saying? Like he's, he's a sandwich oh, of Tiger yeah, Woods. Like Tiger Woods on the golf course and Tiger Woods off the golf course are two separate people. Bryson DeChambeau yeah. off the golf course, he brings that douchiness to the golf course, even though he's also really good. And the distance thing is not the issue. Like, nobody doesn't like him because he, well, some people may, but like Cameron, who we had on the podcast last week, some people may not like him because he is trying to change the game from a distance perspective. But in reality, that's that's always been happening. It's just way more... Um, 
brought to light nowadays because of of technology and stuff like that but i can guarantee you every i mean every old man that we talk to when you want to they want a lesson they're like i want more distance that's always been a thing and it always will be a thing people will be maxing out their bodies maxing out equipment to get to, to get as much distance as they can so in one part like watching him go for that par five and getting hype and getting the crowd hype is awesome for the game of golf it really is because people are going to grow up now kids and say i want to hit the ball far like bryson and it doesn't matter if bryson's a douchebag in this sense if that kid wants to play golf and wants to be like bryson to have at it man like that's more people in the game of golf and so i'm not going to ever rag on bryson for his playing ability or his want to change the game or want to be different uh i'm just going to rag on him for the fact that he's just kind of the golf douche that a lot of people don't like when you have that buddy that's trying to get, you know, just the whole ruling with trying to get a thing from Red Ants, just certain little things like that and throwing hissy fits and stuff. That's the part that I don't like and I think a lot of people don't like. But I, I'm not just going to be an all-out hater on his overall game and the fact that he's changed the game in the in the distance category and really just he's playing, go- he's playing golf courses differently than other people. And I'm sorry that people can't hit it as far as him, but it's not like he is doing anything that somebody else can't do. If somebody else wants to hit the gym, you know, I think that's one of the under, most underrated things about Tiger Woods that's not necessarily talked about is when in his run, his like miraculous run through the early 2000s, he was working out after rounds. He was he was one of the most fit, not only golfers, but athletes in the entire world. And people didn't talk about it then because he doesn't, he didn't have, go through like a year transformation of 170 to 240 and you know start hitting the ball 70 yards further in a year but tiger woods was one as a world-class class athlete in general and i think people forget that when they talk about bryson DeChambeau. no i i totally agree and i don't like you said i don't hate bryson's game like if you have i have nothing but respect for it because he's driving the ball an unprecedented distance on top of hitting it pretty fucking accurate, I mean, he's hitting more fairways than a lot of guys who hit it 40, 50 yards shorter than him. So I, th- there's nothing to hate about that. Like you said, it's just the way he conducts himself. I don't care if you're the worst player in the tournament or the best player. If you act the way he acts, I'm probably not going to be a fan of you. So, yeah, I- I'm glad you decided to set that straight because – we're not hating on his game. He's got plenty of game. He's one of the probably top five players in the world right now. But where we draw the line is, would I ever want to go play around with him? Absolutely not. It sounds like the worst time ever. And just being real, so, uh, you know, I, I can't really go any further than that than saying I respect his game, but just don't like the dude. Yeah, it- it's it's one of those things where he's become a polarizing figure and for me and where we are in the in the world of golf and the business of golf we gotta we have to embrace guys like this we just do because if we don't embrace guys like this then and and the game of we're out of a job exactly yeah like golf has to evolve and keep going and and he is taking golf in a new direction. And everybody hates change. You've got every 40, 50-year-old. I was talking to a few members tonight out at, at Spring Valley, and they're like, oh, I just miss the old days of shot shaping and this and that and the creativity. 
and it's like this is kind of a, a whole podcast in a, in and of itself, but there's plenty of creativity now. It's just different creativity. You know, there's guys finding different ways to do different things. And sure, it's not Seve Ballesteros. It's not Gary Player. It's not Arnold Palmer. But this is a new wave of athletes, and we just kind of have to move on. I wouldn't say move on from the old generation, but you have to welcome this new generation, and you have to evolve. You have to either like it or get used to it, because either way, it's it's not going anywhere. Bryson's going to be around for the next 20 years doing this shit. So, you know, it's it's not even worth getting all worked up over and, oh, let's roll the ball back. You know, it, it, that's a whole other subject in and of itself. But he he's changing the game, and, and I have to respect that. I admire it, and I still don't like the guy, but I can say I do. Res- it's kind of like LeBron at this point. I respect what he's done. I can't stand watching the guy play basketball. But it's because of how he carries himself. And kind of along the same lines as Bryson, I just can't stand watching the shit. Yeah. But it is what it is. Completely. So congrats to Bryson winning the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And uh, that's all we got to say about that. Uh, moving on to our basically our kind of our main topic for today. So we got a comment from Phil's Invisible Tie. Appreciate you. Phil's Invisible Tie for commenting on uh, one of our course write-ups. He said, "I really, Spencer, I really enjoy and appreciate the course write-ups. I am looking to spend more time practicing and playing this summer as I have only played sparingly in the past, but I was wondering if there's anything I can do to make it more budget-friendly. Any thoughts about doing an explainer on how to get the most bang for your buck and taking it to the next level? So we're going to get into that a little bit. Um, we're gonna, we want to explain to you guys, because we know the business of golf better than most, um, how to how to do this on a budget and golf balling on a budget I, I call it so uh, let's give Phil's invisible tie and all the listeners out there some ideas of what you can do to make golf cheaper because as we talk about in these course reviews if you guys haven't read those head over to the thednvr.com go to the other tab at the top golf all of our course reviews are there you get to check out all the courses we've played in Colorado we are actually kind of done doing that for the weekly at least for the season. Uh, it's going to be more of an off-season thing as we go back into next off-season. We'll start again, but Mitchell, what are some things that you that jump out to you? Because realistically, whether you know you're everybody can play golf, but it's there's definitely different levels of being able to play golf with a budget. And you know, we started out in high school, and it's it was hard, you know, it was, we played the same course all the time. We didn't really get to get, you know, we didn't really get to go and and go enjoy other places. So, um, well, and the only reason we got to play spring Valley all the time was because we worked there. So that, that's another thing is we were not paying to play there. We were, we were, we virtually played golf for next to nothing our entire lives. And it's not because we're special. It's because we've either worked in the industry or we've, been so you know like there's certain or we have connections here and there but we we've kind of worked it out to where we have never really paid to become a member at a country club or anything like that and and not trying to like toot our own horns but we've gotten to where we're at in the golf industry never doing that so you know there's certain ways to work it where you can make it a lot more affordable 
Um, the first place I'll start is with practice. Uh, most public driving ranges, well, I'm sorry, not driving ranges. Most public chipping greens and putting greens are completely free. And you can spend hours and hours and hours out there for nothing. And I will tell you, 99 out of 100 players that are trying to improve need to spend multiple hours on the putting chipping green, 100%. There's no other uh, way to say it. Your short game can always become better, and that is free. You can spend all day on a putting green. And I know it gets monotonous and, and tiring and whatever, but back when I was working on my game and trying to really improve, I would spend hours and hours out there just listening to music. It was my happy place. Um, just somewhere you can go, forget about work, forget about kind of life in general and just focus on your golf game. And that, so that's a good place to start. Another place I would say, well, let me drive, let me piggyback on that just a little bit. And you're exactly right. Practicing is it, it, like Phil said, Phil's invisible tie, I guess he said, you know, he wants to take his game to the next level and no matter what level you're at, unless you're a PGA Tour player, which I would assume he's not, just a guess. If if you want to get better at this game, you literally don't even have to hit a single range ball over 50 to 100 yards, if at all. And you will improve 5 to 10 strokes, depending upon where you're at on your game, just by working on the short game. So kind of what Mitchell's saying, and to piggyback, piggyback off of that, go to the range, buy a bucket of balls, $5, $8, you come to the Valley of Fun, you know, it's five bucks for 40 balls. And then take them straight over to the chipping green. And chi- and that does two things for you because it allows you to warm up. You, instead of banging like 10 to 15 balls or half of your bucket or whatever trying to get warm, if you go hit a bunch of chips and pitches and then go retrieve them, you can always get you can get warm that way and it betters your game. And like I said, I, you, we can't stress this enough. Watching people golf... You, you don't have to be a great ball striker. We have a member at Spring Valley, Dave Eddy. Shout out, Dave, if you're listening to this. Doubt it. But he is like a four or five handicap. And if you watch him hit the ball, I love you, Dave. Sorry. But he he looks like a 20. Hits, he, he's, he looks like a 12. Okay, he looks like a 12. But he, he doesn't hit the ball high off the ground. He doesn't hit the ball that straight, that far, nothing. But he is deadly with a wedge in his hands and even deadlier with a putter in his hands. He's got a 10-footer, and he's probably going to make it. And if you can get up and down 50% of the time as an amateur, even if it takes you three shots, you're making a bunch of bogeys and not double bogeys, triple bogeys, and that, that'll that improve your game five to six strokes. I can almost guarantee you no matter where. I, I legitimately could improve my game two to three, maybe even four strokes just by being a better chipper and a way better putter. I know that personally, and I'm a – very close to a scratch golfer most days so okay so another tip that i have for driving range purposes is check with your local driving range and see if they do a yearly pass so how i can speak for us out at the valley of fun we do a year long from january 1st to december 31st you can buy a driving range pass for 300 dollars and I know that sounds fairly significant, but that's 60 buckets of balls. Say you go out from April until October, so that's, what, seven months? Um, 
and you hit. Now, now I got to do a little math. Basically, you have to hit basically nine buckets of balls a month in a Colorado season to pay for that. Yeah, so you could spend even if you say hit balls two or three days a week and you hit two buckets. You're looking at say it's two buckets three days a week. You're looking at six times four times seven, so twenty four times seven. That's like two hundred and thirty buckets of balls ball ballpark. And I could be way off, but I think my mental math is close. But you are literally saving. Basically, you're cutting your cost in a quarter by spending that extra money on a range membership if you're taking full advantage of it. And you can go hit thousands of balls. So it that is definitely another cost-effective way to go about it is see if a course has a range membership and – Push for that if it's possible and really take advantage of it and hit all those balls that you can. Before we get into some more tips on how to make golf easier and get better on a budget, we want to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook. So it is that time of the year again. We got conference tournaments and college basketball, and March Madness is just around the corner. Selection Sunday is this week, and DraftKings has upped their level their point of entry so it used to be bet at bet one dollar last week on Adesanya or Blockowitz to throw uh basically land a punch and win a hundred so now all you have to do for a new client you sign up you use that code dnvr and you bet four dollars on an underdog and you win two hundred and fifty six dollars so you got to find that 12 seed, find that 13 seed in the tournament this year. They always win one or two games. I remember my Yale Bulldogs from a couple years ago beat that 5 seed, and I was cashing it in already. But all you're doing is betting $4 to win $256. All you got to do is pick one of many select college basketball games for an, and pick the underdog, and you're winning $256 on a $4 bet. Um, if college basketball is not for you, DraftKings offers great odds on golf, hockey, and so much more, which we will get into a little bit later with our golf odds. So download the DraftKings, the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use that promo code DNVR when you sign up and turn $4 into $256 if the underdog of your choosing pulls off an upset. That's right, code DNVR. Turn $4 into $256 for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. You must be 21 or older, Colorado only, and new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700. All right. More ways to golf on a budget. What do you got? Um... <clears throat> So we started, or last thing we talked about was the driving range. Uh, another thing we'll, we'll talk about is twilight rounds. We talk about them a lot. Uh, that is one of the most cost-effective ways, and a lot of times it does work for people who can't make it out to golf during the day. Uh, I, I love a twilight round. That's usually the only time you and I get to go play. We don't get to go play those Saturday morning prime tea times, we're at work, we're working, we're checking people in, doing whatever, giving lessons. Um, but those afternoon rounds, a lot less expensive. A lot of times I can only speak for the value of fun and we may be cooler than everybody else. 
Um, I know we're cooler than everybody else, but we'll charge you a twilight rate or we'll charge you a nine hole rate and be like, Hey, if you want to play a few extra holes, go for it. You know, it's one of those things where you don't have to come out bright and early. And sometimes it's an enjoyment thing. I know there's guys that will literally wake up from a blackout and roll out to the golf course at 6 a.m. because they love being that first tee time off. But if you're flexible with the times you tee off and things like that, then you can save, I would say, anywhere from 30 to 50% on tee times. And so what? You, you get to watch a sunset on the golf course. Like, where is there a better place to watch a sunset? That's a great point because – not only is Twilight cheaper, I know, like you said, we can only speak for the Valley of Fun, and look around at all your courses, I can guarantee you almost every golf course around you has a Twilight tee time, and at Spring Valley, it's kind of a joke, but that's just the way golf goes, so on a Saturday or Sunday, middle of the season, we charge $74 to ride 18 holes, great value, five flags on the value rating for, in our course review. <laughs> Um, Five plus, but but think about this: uh, one fifty-seven tea time. Now, sometimes we'll allow those people to pay twilight because we're nice guys, we're pushovers. But literally, if you tee off after two p.m., which in the middle of the summer, you can tee off at two, three, almost even four o'clock and get a full eighteen holes in. Tee off after two p.m. That price drops from seventy-four to forty-five. So you can basically get essentially two twilight rounds for one if you decide to play a, a few hours later. And like Mitchell said, not only is a Twilight Round a ton cheaper and you can get a lot more value at a great golf course, not just Spring Valley, just about every public course out there has Twilight tee times, there's nothing better than finishing around right around sunset. That's literally the best time. When we like talk about views on our course reviews and the most, the most beautiful views, I, the one that comes to mind for me is City Park. And we played City Park late in the afternoon, and it was Unreal. the most it was the most pure thing I'd ever I'd ever experienced. So definitely get out for those twilight rounds. And while we're talking about City Park, uh, you know, normalizing walking I think is a big thing if you want to start golfing on a budget. I know at Spring Valley, like I said, we're, we're bringing Spring Valley up a lot, but we know those rates like the back of our hand. Uh, it's saving you $20 a round to take a cart for 18 holes versus walking for 18 holes. So you can walk a Twilighter for like $35 at Spring Valley on a weekend. So you can tee off at two, you walk 18 holes. I know walking is hard, but if you get used to it, it really isn't that bad. Like when at City Park, they were only allowing walking and I it didn't bother me one bit. And it, it's twofold. You get in shape you get more comfortable with walking and then a lot of people find that they like it you enjoy you get a you know a 6 mile walk in 5 mile walk in if you're walking 18 holes and it saves you basically you can play four rounds at most courses for the price of 3 or get four round yeah basically get four rounds for the price four rounds walking for the price of three riding so if you normalize walking and normalize playing nine holes like even you know twilight usually are 18 hole rates but there's nothing wrong with playing nine holes. I know uh, RK, he, he's a busy guy, and so when he gets out on the golf course, he wants to play a full 18 normally, which I know a lot of people are like that, but if you really want to kind of get better on a budget, normalize playing nine holes and enjoying just nine. You know, it's a couple hours out of your day, but usually in the middle of the summer, depending upon your job, you can head off after work, find a golf course that's teeing you off at 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock, 
nine hole rounds usually in the 20s 30 dollars even if you're riding and if you just enjoy nine holes it's it's a way to get out there and play and play on a budget because i will tell you this and this is from personal experience as well practicing is great and like we said if you really want to get better it starts with practice but if you want to show shoot lower scores you have to play as well there's always those people that are range rats and they practice all the time and then they get on the course and they can't figure out why they're not as good. There's got to be a good balance of that. And I know you can speak to that a little bit too. Oh, yeah. There is no other um, comparison to getting out on the course. That is the only way you get the real-life experience of playing, of those shots. And here's another thing too. Even coming out late, in the evening, say you and your significant other or whatever, say you eat dinner at six o'clock on a summer night and you've got a free night to yourself and there's nothing on TV, there's no sports, whatever. Come out to the golf course at seven o'clock. I can say from my personal experience, and I don't know about a lot of places, but I just had a dude the other night, he goes, it was like an hour and a half before sunset. And he goes, Hey, do you mind if I walk like four holes? I was like, no, dude. And he goes, what do I owe you? I was like, nothing. Go, you know, go walk three or four holes. It's no skin off my nose or whatever. You're not even getting a full nine holes in. I know that. And you're walking. So come out and play a few holes at dark or just ask to be the, if you can, ask to be the last group off and walk it and hit three or four shots. I know it's it's quite a bit of walking, but you get a lot of that on course uh, shot making, just the visuals and everything, it makes a huge difference. That's where a lot of guys started. Um, specifically, I don't want to get into it too much, but like a lot of European tour guys are real big course guys. They love, they, they were like, when I was a kid, I'd go warm up for 30 minutes and then I'd spend eight to 10 hours on the golf course. And it makes it more fun. Like, let's be real, sitting there hit, beating balls for an hour or I'm sorry, an hour, three hours, four hours, is not really anybody's idea of fun. I mean, unless you're just an absolute perfectionist. But getting out on the course, visualizing different shots, playing situational golf is where you can get a lot better, and it's going to be a lot more cost-effective, especially when you're teeing off at that later time. And a lot of times, pro shops will hook you up if there's two hours of daylight, an hour and a half of daylight, Okay, so you're getting charged a nine walking rate. It's going to be somewhere between twenty and thirty bucks, and you get two to three hours. I mean, that's what ten to fifteen dollars an hour. That's a pretty good rate for golf, I would say. So there's there's a lot of different things, and we can get into clubs a little bit. Um, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, there, Spence. No, that's good. Yeah, let's get into clubs. This is a. I, I feel very strongly about this because this is how we grew up, and I think we're both on the same page here. Yeah i I didn't have a brand new set of clubs until I. Let's put it this way: I have never paid for a brand new set of clubs. Whenever I was buying clubs, I was buying used clubs. I was buying used irons, used drivers, used. Wedges are is one tough thing. You have to check condition and just like anything, but you don't know how many times you can roll into Golf Galaxy, PJ Superstore, and pick up a set of irons that is borderline brand new for a third, a quarter of the price. Yeah, I think They're, this is one of the most slept on things in the entire world, in in the golf world especially, is 
how cheap you can get golf clubs. If you go to a PGA Superstore and uh, we have one of those right in you know right in Colorado, I think we have two of them. There's one on Arapahoe and I-25, and then there's one up north. But find your local. Uh, we have a Lenny's here. I'm sure every state has like a, a golf shop where they take used clubs, and it's it's basically like a pawn shop for golf. And I'm telling you, like the 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 sick irons you can get for one third one half of the cost maybe even less that are still in great condition just because some rich old dude didn't like them it's phenomenal and find something that kind of fits your game you know you got to know if you're a stiff shaft or a regular shaft don't get something that completely doesn't fit you but at the same time they have drivers for under a hundred dollars and these new drivers nowadays are retailing for five fifty six hundred dollars almost so if you go find yourself a used set of clubs, especially starting out, I mean, even if you're, I could, I guarantee you, I could walk into a PGA Superstore tomorrow and find a used set of golf clubs that would fit my game for probably half the price that I would have to pay if I went to a re, went to a brand new full retail. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the equivalent of buying a new car versus buying a used car. I, I've never bought a new car. I don't think you've never bought, you've never bought a new car, whatever. But how many people are like, oh, yeah, it's a smart financial decision to buy a brand new car? No, right? When you drive it off the lot, it loses half its value, if not more. If you were to go, that that's kind of the fucked up part, but the advantage for everybody. If you went and bought a brand new set of irons from PJ Superstore for, say, $1,400, and you played with them for a week, and you came back and tried to turn them back in, they'd probably give you four or 500 bucks credit for maybe 600 because they're going to sell them for probably seven or 800 so you're already saving 33 to 40 percent on a set of clubs that's a week old and i'm not kidding you people this shit happens all the time people trade in their used stuff that is virtually brand new just because they have a crazy amount of extra income apparently that they can just blow on golf clubs And like Spencer said, same goes for drivers. Uh, Wedges, like I said, are one tough thing. You just want to see what shape, kind of shape they're in. You know, if if the face is beat to shit, um, you're probably not going to want to go down that route. But if the face is in good shape and it's just the new model came out, if they're less than a year old, then those are more than playable. You know, there's nothing wrong with those whatsoever. And one other thing is putters. Do not buy a Scotty Cameron. Do not or, spend for or a brand new putter just in general. The amount of oh, I, it, that makes me sick thinking about how much people spend on a putter when you could almost go out and putt with like your dad's old. Ping you could answer. go to a garage sale. You could find a five or ten dollar putter. I, there's guys who still are playing putters on tour. That I, there was guys. There was actually I forget who it was. Maybe it was Tom Lehman. Um, he found it at a garage sale. And he had it in the bag for years. It was like $10 putter. And, yeah, putters don't wear out. <laughs> that is one golf club that does not wear out. So it's – unless you're just all about vanity and telling your buddies you got the brand-new Scotty Cameron. And who gives a shit if you're whooping their ass while your set costs one-third or one-fourth of what theirs costs? Who's Who even cares what, what you're playing, really? I mean – just play the putter that feels good to you. It can be $5. It can be 100 But don't just go buy a Scotty Cameron. It's like buying a Ferrari. It's just for the name. Everybody just wants to say, oh, I've got a Scotty Cameron. 
And at the end of the day, I'll, I'll give everybody a reality check here. I don't care. I don't think Spencer cares. And nobody within the golf industry cares. Your buddies might care. But nobody cares how much you spent on your, your set of clubs unless you're a really good player. And even then, it doesn't matter. I know really good players who haven't bought a brand new set or even gotten new clubs in four or five years. Really, the quality of your golf clubs have nothing to do with the quality of golfer that you are. None. Would you agree? None whatsoever. And going back to what you said about putters, the uh, one of my first ever putters that I bought brand new was like the Odyssey 2-ball, the OG Odyssey 2-ball. And that putter is now considered out of date, old, etc. And Odyssey this year, if you guys have seen it, they came out with their new line for 2021 because every co- every club m- manufacturer does this. And they literally remade the OG Odysseys with the same face, the same everything. And they're charging like $300 when you could go to, I guarantee you could go to a store that has used putters and find an old Odyssey white hot right now for like 50, 60 bucks. Exactly. So... There's just so many options. Um, I don't know if there's anything else we didn't cover. Well, one thing but... I wanted to say real quick is uh, if you want to take lessons, which I do recommend, of course we recommend, obviously. If you're in the Colorado yes. area, email us, golfbros at thednvr.com. We will set you up, DNVR members or not. We love to teach and we'll help anybody out who wants to get better at the game of golf. But if you want to get into lessons and you're not around here or, or don't have the time um, to meet up with us, Always, if you want, first of all, I don't recommend looking at a ton of stuff online. There's great tips here and there, but as long as, if you don't know exactly what your problem is, it's hard to use online resources as a tip. So I'll just say that. But instead of doing a, like an individual lesson, look for clinics or group lessons. Because what the way that's set up for instructors, I know personally, if you do a lesson with one other person, it cuts your cost in half because the instructor is making about the same amount per hour. He, you're not getting the uh, complete individual instruction for half an hour or an hour. And in the clinic, you're you're definitely not getting the same instruction, but you're getting professional instruction with some one-on-one time. And you're paying in a, in a clinic usually 25, 35, 40 bucks and you're getting one to two hours of individualized, not in, completely individualized, but definitely a, in professional instruction from a from somebody that knows what they're talking about, most likely. So always look for clinics or get a buddy or a girlfriend or you know your friend, whatever it may be, and go out and take a lesson as a couple or as two people. And I guarantee you can save a lot of money doing that person to person versus the individualized $100 an hour or whatever some instructors charge. So always look for clinics, camps, um, and then like things like Get Golf Ready if you're just starting out. They're great. They're like $100 for five lessons. 20 bucks an hour basically is what you're paying. And you're getting five-hour lessons on how to, how to begin and how to step in, take that first step in the door of the game of golf. Yeah, that's a, a great tip also, I would agree. Um, and the thing is with group lessons too, it's great to have an entire hour of one-on-one time, but a lot of times it's unnecessary because once you, as I know as an instructor, once we give somebody the information, it takes them about 5 to 10 to 15 minutes to process that. So you're watching them hit balls, and there's really not a whole lot you can give somebody in that time because they're still processing what you 
initially told him the initial change you're trying to make. So as an instructor, I have no problem. And I actually prefer giving group lessons um, in the way of you give somebody something to work on, you let them marinate on it for 10, 15 minutes, and then you get back to them and you kind of keep an eye on them. Obviously, you don't completely ignore them, but you really kind of give them their time to sort it out in their own head. So it can be beneficial for your game because I know a lot of people also feel uncomfortable having having an instructor stand behind them for an hour straight. You know, they're like, I just want to relax and hit the ball and try to take the, the swing change you gave me and make it work. And some people just don't feel comfortable having an instructor breathing down their neck the entire time. So uh, it can be beneficial for your style of game, for your preferred lesson, and it's very cost-effective. So I really do like that tip also. For sure, absolutely. Well, thank you, Phil's Invisible Tie, for the comment. You guys, if you ever have comments, questions, anything, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, you, under our on the dnvr.com, under our course reviews, or under our podcast uh, write-ups, that we the little write-ups we have with our podcast. Feel free to comment anytime and ask us anything. Like, this one was awesome. It gave us an, a, a topic for an entire podcast of something that we don't really think about, you know? And there's so many things that... So many questions out there that golfers have, whether you've been playing the game for 20 years or you're just getting into it, that we can always answer. We, we've we been through almost everything in the game of golf, and we'd love to grow it and help all of you guys enjoy it and, and get into it like we have and, and catch the bug. Because I've seen a lot of people catch it over the last year, and it really it really changes the way you look at the game and how much you want to play, and that's what we're all about here. So um, before we get out of here today... We want to get into our DraftKings picks for the players. So, Mitch, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about TPC and uh, the, the stadium course or the players and kind of what that course looks like and what we're looking for in terms of players that will be successful here. So the uh, TPC Sawgrass is one of the courses where distance is not necessarily paramount. I mean, you see guys of... I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say short hitters win, but it's more about quality of ball striking in general, I would say. Uh, you really have to hit the ball well. You really have to be in full control of your your ball flight and uh, just being able to shape it left to right, right to left. There's a lot of dog legs. Um, it is a Pete Dye design golf course, so his signature is railroad ties. You'll see plenty of those between 16, 17, 18 um, pretty much up and down the fairways around the greens. But I really favor guys that, like I said, are striking the ball very well. Um, not necessarily a emphasis on distance, but just guys that are in full control of their golf ball week in, week out. So uh, I'll give you my picks real quick. So um, you guys are going to want to log into the DraftKings Sportsbook app, go to the players <laughs> And here we go. And uh, fade our picks. Now, <laughs> I, I mean, I honestly feel really good about this. This is, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but I feel like these are the most solid picks I've made in uh, quite a while. And obviously none of them have won yet. So um, I'm feeling good about this week. I, I feel like at least one is going to hit here. But I am starting with a top 10. I've got Lee Westwood at plus 900. 
He is coming off a one-shot loss. He finished second last week at the Arnold Palmer. And similar to the Arnold Palmer, like I said, TPC Sawgrass, big emphasis on ball striking, uh, controlling the golf ball. And Lee Westwood, also referenced this earlier in the podcast, has been one of the best ball strikers in golf. His putter is not something that he leans on specifically. Um, but you can get away with not putting great at TPC Sawgrass. The greens, I would say, are a little bit smaller. As long as you're striking the ball well, you're not going to have a whole lot of super long putts. Um, you're going to want to hit it close, hit fairways, hit it close. So I like Lee Westwood plus 900 uh, to top 10. That's a great value. I've also got Patrick Reed in the top five. I, uh, I know I've slandered the dude in the past, but great controller of the golf ball. He really knows which way he's shaping it. Um, just full total control short game all the way around. He is plus 750 to top five it. And I have finally come to my senses. And if it doesn't happen, don't blame me. But if it happens, I want all the credit. I'm taking Victor Hovland to win this week. We've seen first-time winners kind of break out here. Sun J.M. was the most notable one as of recent. But Victor Hovland, we all know he's got the game. His ball striking week in, week out. It feels like he's top 10 just about every event he's played in this year. He may and be the hottest golfer on tour right now. Yeah, that really hasn't won a whole lot. Um, I mean, he's made a shitload of money, but he hasn't really won anything notable where you're like, oh, God. He's he's kind of one of those guys where he's just low-key, top five, top ten every week. But I've got him breaking out this week at plus 2,600 to win the tournament at the Players. I love it. I love it. So I'm locking those in right now. I'm going to give you guys my picks for the players. And make sure you watch this tournament, especially late on a Sunday, if you don't get a chance to watch the whole thing. Because I don't know about you, Mitchell, but I think I would venture to say number 17, the Island Green, is maybe the most iconic hole on the PGA Tour. Pretty damn close, if not. Um, A lot of action there. It's only like 100, usually like 135 yards, but you get aces, you get guys dunking it in the water when they're coming coming down the stretch and and a big, big moment. So watch that for the 17th hole because it's truly one of the better holes in all the tour and all the game of golf. My picks for this week, I'm going to give you guys the same player to top 20 and, and win. So I'm going to go with Patrick Cantlay. So he's 20, plus 2,200 to win the tournament. Risk a dollar, win 22. Risk 10, win 220. And him to be in the top 20 is plus 100, so even odds. So risk 5 to win 5, risk 10 to win 10, etc. So Patrick Cantlay, just a great ball striker. He's number one overall, basically, on total strokes gain, tee to green, striking the ball, like you said, need to control it here. He's been up and down this year, but I think, like you said, this is another tournament where usually there's a winner of somebody that it's not like the big names. There's guys that are emerging and winning at the players, and it's a great tournament for guys to go really big game hunting without winning a major. Uh, like Ricky Fowler has here, etc. And that brings me to my last pick of the week. I'm going to go top 20, Ricky Fowler. I I feel like the outside noise. He's gonna he's gonna get it in his craw, and he's gonna. I I don't know. Like he's been playing terrible golf. Like there's I really have no no nothing to back this pick other than the fact that he's won this tournament before. So he's returning to a place where he feels comfortable. 
and him to top 20 is plus 550 so risking five dollars to win like 2850 um it's a great i think it's a good pick for this week you're getting great value for a guy that's won this tournament i know he's not playing the best golf but as we've seen in the past golf is betting golf is not an exact science <laughs> guys are just going to win that shouldn't but normally speaking guys play well at certain courses and they're usually comfortable there so go ahead and take ricky fowler plus 550 to top 20 this week at the players i like that pick just because i my first instinct is to hate it so I'm so bad at betting that I'm going spin zone on myself, so I like it. I love that. All right, well, thank you guys for joining us for this episode of Big Drive Energy. We appreciate all the support. Like I said, comment on our podcast, comment on our course reviews, ask us any questions, Twitter. Uh, we'll give you guys swing reviews. You, you send us a video, we'll give you something back. Uh, we really like to interact with all you guys. It makes our jobs a lot more fun for and, and it makes DNVR Golf grow as we see more people jumping in every single day. So we appreciate that. Like I said we earlier, we have a ton of stuff coming up soon. I can't wait to release that with you guys. We got a lot of great ideas for this coming golf season. So appreciate you guys all listening. Follow me on Twitter at Big Drive Spence. Follow Mitchell at Big Drive Mitch. Follow us uh, and our golf account for stupid golf takes and funny pro shop stories at DNVR underscore golf. That's it for this week. We'll talk to you guys next week, hopefully with a winner from the Players' Championship. Peace.